0: This show is produced and hosted by Mark Weber. The show is sponsored by G3 Apparel. The views expressed in the following program are those of the sponsor and not necessarily the opinion of 710WOR or iHeartMedia. Who is Mark Weber? He's a self made business executive here to help you find your success. From the New York City projects to the Avenue Montaigne in Paris, his global success story in the luxury world of fashion is inspirational. He's gone from clerk to CEO twice. twice. Mark is classic proof that the American dream is alive and well. Here's your host of Always in Fashion, Mark Weber. Mark Weber. What a
1: As much as I'd like to distance myself from humanity, I can't yet book a seat to Mars. What's screwing up this world? The world is getting crazier by the minute. I'm almost tempted to listen to the news, but I won't. The government it tells us to do something that indiscriminately changes direction without any explanation. It's not getting better. These leaders do and say anything, and no one holds them accountable. In the real world, our world, and the business world, we're responsible to deliver what we say. We must anticipate the unintended consequences. I'll give you just a couple of examples to make my point. We were told constantly, save your money for retirement for the future and live off the interest income. There's no interest income. I feel so sorry for senior citizens who are investing in the stock market now because they're going to get burned, then what? Another example, all combustion engines must disappear in the next few years. Where will all the batteries come from? Anyone has thought about the negative impact this will have on the environment when we have to dispose of billions of batteries? Where do the dead batteries go? We're not ready. There's no plan to charge cars. If you don't live in your own house, where are you charging your car that doesn't run on gas? Minimum wage. If you believe the experts putting forth this dialogue, their genius opinions, It said you raise the minimum wage to $15 and an average of 900,000 people will be lifted from poverty. Ah, but there's a but. 1.4 million people will lose their jobs. So what is the greater good here? Which is better, lifting 900,000 people or putting the, a million four people out of work? A robust economy will provide an environment that businesses will be competing for skilled labor. They'll pay more organically because that's the greater good. We need workers if the economy is strong. And lastly, for now, just COVID. We've lost patience with the virus, but the virus hasn't lost patience with us. Our government is all over the place on this health crisis. The world is a mess. There's so many mistakes being made in the world and in our lives. Sometimes we get apologies, some are sincere, most aren't. Often in our culture, we're inbred, we're trained to believe. Don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Simply doing what you want at anyone's expense and just say you're sorry. That seems to be easier. Either way, it's human nature. Where am I going here? As often the case, when I was thinking about what to write about and what to do on this show, an idea comes to mind. The other day I was watching a late-night movie. Catherine Hepburn uttered a phrase to Spencer Tracy, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Now that caught my attention. Simply put, it's human to make mistakes. Forgiving someone's mistakes is an act of godliness. Sometimes apologies are heartfelt. Oftentimes they're just words. Now me, I have a problem. I don't like humans to begin with. I can't stand criticism, and I don't, I don't forgive or forget. You wrong me, I might backburner burner it, but I won't forget. Honestly, are you any different out there? Maybe you're a better person than me. Maybe something insignificant I'll look the other way, but as I say, for me, I don't forget it. The only exception. The only exception of real forgiveness is I granted to my wife unconditionally and my children always. I'm human. I'm not accepting erring, forgetting, or forgiving. That's for God. I don't forgive. I don't forget. Not in my world. Nonetheless, we all make mistakes. I don't know. I read somewhere in the beginning God made idiots. That was for practice. Seems to me like he took too much time practicing. There are an awful lot of idiots around. Now, here's a thought. You're human. You'll make mistakes. Just don't disrespect people. We humans have enough to deal without being dissed. We're not forgetting. We're not forgiving. There's fake news. There's insincere people. There are people who talk when they should listen. There are people who are often wrong, and they're never in doubt. I gotta tell you, that's what's been on my mind this week. I'm screaming at the television. I'm yelling on the phone. That's why, I guess, to air is human, to forgive is divine. That's why I caught my attention. And I have to have think about it, I'm owed an awful lot of apologies. Now listen, I get it. To err is human, to forgive is divine. Trust me, to be forgiving is not on my radar screen. Can we forgive and forget as a population? I've been thinking. There are only two kinds of mistakes. The ones that others make, the ones that you make. The question is, Can you forgive the others? More importantly, can you forgive yourself? That's often more complicated and far more difficult. Tonight, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Between you and me, not in my world. (laughs) Speaking forgiveness, my son, my co-host, my lawyer, Jesse Weber. Jesse, I forgive you.
2: You forgive me? You forgive me for what?
1: <laughs> Whatever you do next.
2: Well that's a new one. You're making reservations to forgive me and apologize before things happen. I think that's pretty ridiculous if you ask me. It actually would be a kind of a cool movie concept though, but if anyone were to reserve forgiveness, I think I'd have to forgive you in advance. Me? Me, I'm perfect. No, 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 no. Let's be intellectually honest, as you say, because if we were keeping a ledger, who do you think would have apologized more
1: and who would have forgiven more? Think about it. You or me? I've forgiven you more and then you apologize more.
2: Are you kidding? Anytime we argue, it always seems that you're the one apologizing.
1: Well, I have no choice. I'm your father. I have to make sure you're feeling good at the end of an argument. But you're always wrong. What does that mean? What, Mr. Stubborn?
2: Okay. All right. All right. I will grant you, and I will admit that I am stubborn. What does that have to do with forgiveness?
1: Time. The amount of time it takes to get you to understand you were wrong in the first place.
2: And how about you, Mr. Weber's World? You think you can do and say anything, every time, all what you want, and you think it's just always going to be okay? So? So doesn't work. You're often very impatient, I will say arrogant, unwilling to learn, you're set in your ways, and
1: wrong. Jesse, I might not always be right, but I'm never wrong.
2: Yeah, 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 I get it, I get it. I've heard it a thousand times. It's not true. Let's move this along, all right? You have an interesting topic. I even said it could be in a movie. Do people forgive and forget? I would say yes.
1: I say no. Maybe move on. Never forget. That's such a jaded view of the world. Oh, yeah? I'm going on record. If you embarrass me, if you disrespect me, you make a promise you don't keep. You lie to me. You cheat me. Okay, I'll accept your apology. I'll make nice. I'll behave as it never happened. But I will never forget. And I will never, ever forgive you, no matter what I said. You just said you would, you would
2: accept an apology. What are we talking about here? Forgive, it's impossible. Forget it, it's even more impossible. That's what you want to go on record with?
1: Human nature, my friend. That's the message you want to send to the audience? I subscribe to the theory that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Now, maybe, if I'm right, people should think twice before they mistreat others. So you just don't forgive anybody? Never, with the exception of the family. I'm
2: kind of shocked you're saying this. I actually can't believe you're saying this.
1: <laughs> to err is human, to forgive is divine. I'm human. I could say forgive or not. I'm not divine. I don't forgive, I don't forget, period.
2: I'm shocked. I I literally think this is terrible, what you're saying. I can't believe you're saying this. You're basically saying that you're going to lie to someone when they apologize to you.
1: Well, there's a reason they're apologizing. How about people just having the right moral compass and doing the right thing? By the way, I don't think you're that all angelic, if you ask me. And what does that mean? You're always so forgiving? Nothing people ever say to you wasn't forgotten? I don't know. I accept apologies. Oh, really, Jesse? Hold on a second. I want to whisper something in your ear because I don't want to do something then I end up apologizing to you. But hold on a second. (laughs) You want to talk about forgiving?
2: All right. Well, I had a feeling you were going to bring this up. Well, let's just say, let's start from this. I guess I'm not the tallest guy in the world. And there have been times in my life When obnoxious people out there have made very rude and terrible comments about my height. Very mean.
1: I don't think you're that short, Jesse, but you know, you're not 6'2". I'm
2: not 6'2". And people have said things before. I'm not even going to justify what they said. They said really bad things. You know what I would like to do every time they say it? I don't care if it's a guy. I don't care if it's a girl. I wish I had a shrink ray and I could shrink them down to two feet tall. That's what I want. You know what? Maybe you're right. I don't apologize. Even if they apologize to me, I would still shrink them.
1: Uh, Shrink ray. That's hysterical. You know, when you've told me about the shrink ray, you know, I have my own Button that I'd push, but uh, you know, thank God there's a law because it keeps us all civilized. You know, if you ever think about it, without the law, we'd all be barbarians. Let me tell you
2: something, okay? I was in college, I was in a store minding my own business. This guy walks in, maybe like six five, walks by me, and I'm not even going to tell you what he said to me. I wish I had the shrink ray in my pocket. I would have made him down to one feet tall and said, "Who's laughing now?" And I would have kicked him.
1: Well. Now you have another function you want the Apple phone to do for you if they ever get their act together on new stuff, right? (laughs) Shrink ray. Especially just for you. So you're not so quick to forgive and forget, right?
2: In that instance, I am not. I am not so quick to forgive and forget.
1: Let's be intellectually honest right now, okay? I'm telling you, I'm admitting, you do something to me, I will never, ever, ever forgive you, and I will never, ever forget, And my friend there, Mr. Angel, Mr. Divine Guy, Jesse, admits that somebody says something he don't like, he's not so quick to forget.
2: Hey, listen, they're asking for the shrink ray, okay? They need to be brought down to size.
1: (sighs) You're not giving up on that shrink ray, huh? (laughs) I
2: will Tony Stark that thing. I will go into my cave and build it if I have to.
1: Yeah, you know what? It happens everywhere. If someone commented that they didn't like your golf swing that you were playing with, or, you know, speed it up, Jesse. You're taking too much time. Do you not want them to screw up their golf game right after that?
2: Yes, but you know what? That's something that I can control. And maybe I'm playing too slow. I can't control my height. I can't go on a stretch rack and make me taller.
1: All right, enough with the shrink ray. I have so many things I can't stand people for. People do make mistakes. Sometimes they self-correct. There's also us. We need to figure out if we can forgive ourselves. And that is the plan for tonight's show. As you can see, Jesse and I are charged on this subject. So here it goes. Tonight is to err is human, to forgive is divine. We're not deity. The jury's out on that one. I'm admitting tonight when you listen to me, those of you who want to think I'm a jerk or whatever one you put to me, I'll accept it. I ain't forgiving and I ain't forgetting. I'll take a break when I'll tell you a story and Business That Happened. Where the truth is, someone corrected so quickly, it was a beautiful story. I'll be back in a minute. Always Always in Fashion. fashion. This is Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion. I spent nine years of my career at DKNY. And the reason I got involved with that brand is the excitement I experienced when I was involved with menswear and I licensed their brand for dress shirts and neckwear. What an amazing run we had in that brand. Men love DKY. I'm going to tell you why. I live in their suits. The fit is so perfect. There's a modern silhouette to it. The pants are tapered, but not too tapered. The jacket is form-fitting, but it's comfortable. The engineering in the suit from DKY, I promise you, is extraordinary. But really, DKY made its strength and its name known in men's sportswear. And their men's sportswear is very modern and very contemporary, but very wearable. Doesn't make you think, does this look all right? Am I out there too much like some of the other brands? You want to be out and about at night? You can wear DKNY men's. You want to go to the office and be office casual, but also competitive in your fashion? DKNY men's. DKNY men's is available d k y dot com and in some of the best stores in the country, most notably Macy's, it is a great brand. I'm telling you me personally, my nine years there, I learned to love the brand. my sportswear, my clothing wardrobe, my suits, my outerwear is all d k y When you see me, you don't believe me, ask me to open it up, and I'll show you Guys out there, if you don't want to look like a traditional and khaki pants and you know plaid shirt. You want to look modern and contemporary? I promise you, DKY is your brand.
0: Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. I should have you flowers and held your hand.
1: Should've if you're just tuning in and you missed the beginning of the show, I'm upset, but I'll forgive you. Tonight's show is to err is human and to forgive is divine. Let me be honest with you. I don't forgive you for not being here at the beginning, but I have no alternative but to tell you what you missed. I haven't had a good week. I've been watching what the world is going on. I think the world is falling apart. I was watching a show the other night, a movie, late night. Catherine Hepburn talking to Spencer Tracy, apologizing. She looked at him and said, to err is human, to forgive is divine. I'm not divine. I'm not godly. I can't forgive. I can't forget. We make mistakes all the time. If you make a mistake... You have to figure out how to say you're sorry, how to apologize. If you do it to yourself, that's even harder to forgive. I have a story I want to tell you. It's one of my first business stories, and it's a great example of doing the right thing and setting things right. I was working for Van Usen. That's where I began my career. Literally, my first job was a clerk. When you listen to the opening of the show, he's gone from clerk to CEO twice. I was a clerk. My job was to do all the detail work of the product manager that I was working for. He went around, visited different suppliers, did his thing, and I had to pick up all the scraps and do all the work. My biggest responsibility at the time was we had a big sales force. We had 100 people operating all around the United States, and they all needed samples. Where did samples come from? Not from heaven. They came from fabric that was cut and sewn into products and had to be delivered to 110 locations around the United States. And what is my job... That after those samples were ordered, to do all the follow-up work to get this done. I've got 50 different suppliers. I have factories with different people in the cutting department, the sewing department, the label department, the trim and the finishing department. i got to coordinate all this stuff, and it's an impossible task. And I'm in my first job, my first boss, and the only way I figured I can keep track of this is make some charts. And I never made charts before, let alone flow charts. And yet again, I figured out a way to develop a flow chart to keep track of all these samples manufactured in these different facilities with different warehouses holding the fabric and shipping the product. And I did it. And as the season wore along, not only did I did it, I color-coded it. I had a way of knowing who was on time, where the miss was, who was late on this, and who was late. And over the course of a three-month period, I did what I thought was a Herculean job. But more importantly than what I did, the guys who I work for saw this incredible chart, and saw the work I was doing, and was astounded with the performance the division had. I would tell you today, every single sample was delivered, and I think it was, but let's assume for a minute I lost the small part I couldn't track down. The job was Herculean, it was well-respected, and I can't tell you the thanks, the accolades, the letters written about me during that three-month period, and then When the sales meeting was set up in Miami, Florida, all the samples were received on time. There was a team of people there receiving and accepting. The sales meeting was set, and it was done in such a way that they had never seen before. And this sales meeting in particular would have the president, executive vice president, the head of sales, the head of marketing, all these people, the vice presidents of the dress shirt division, the vice presidents of the sportswear division, the children's division, the pajama division, they all were going to Florida, to Miami Beach, to present the next collection to the Van Usen sales force. Van Usen was a big public company. We had the largest or one of the largest shirt businesses in the world. And this was done in such a time that was set up to be perfect. And lo and behold, when the invitations came, I wasn't invited to go to the sales meeting. I did all this work. You know what it reminded me of, Jesse, actually? Ford versus Ferrari. In what way? So Ken Miles helped build a car, figured out how to f- make it right, raced it, did everything, and then he wasn't invited to Le Mans. That's how I felt. I did all this work, and everybody else was gone. I was literally in the office— Not by myself. Me and the administrative assistants were left behind. And there was one guy, Bill Skolnick. I'll never forget him. He was the number two guy in the company. He was in charge of finance. He was in charge of operations. He was a man to be reckoned with very, very well respected. And I remember walking around the floor that day and seeing him. And he saw me, called me into his office. And he said, well, why are you here? I said, well, um, Mr. Skolnick, um, I wasn't invited to go to Miami. And um, I must admit, I'm disappointed. I did this work, and I, I'm really sad about it. But, you know, I'll tell you, I'm only here a short period of time. I'm new to the company, and I understand to a degree why they didn't invite me. He said, I really feel terrible about it. This is what we're going to do, Mark. And he called in his administrative assistant and said, listen, See this desk here? I want you to get me a computer. I want you to get some pens and papers. I want you to set up a phone. I want you to tell the office to route all calls from Mark Weber to this number in my office. Mark, you and I are going to run the company together this week. I feel bad that you weren't invited. You feel bad. He really did this? Wasn't that a beautiful thing to do? I've never heard that before. So I was working all that day around 3 o'clock. We're in the office together. He had had his lunch, he came back, he did whatever he said, and he came over and he sat at my little desk and said to me, Mark, what are you doing here? (laughs) I looked at him like he was crazy. I said, well, Mr. Skolnick, you set me up to work here. uh, That's why I'm here in your office. He said, you're not supposed to be here. They need you in Miami. We booked you a ticket. You're on an 8 o'clock flight. Get out of here. Go catch the flight. Wait, where where did that come from? He called down to the team down in Miami, and he said, how could you not invite Mark Weber? He's sitting here with me all day. Get him a flight, get him a ticket, get him a hotel room. I want him there with you guys. That's the right thing for you to do. I can't believe you left him behind. A life lesson is a life lesson. You want to be a leader? Bill Skolnick was an incredible leader. And you want to talk to air as human, to forgive as divine, I forgave, and what a great leader he was, and I, I loved it. Conversely, I have another story to tell you. So, I was working for PVH my whole career Phillips Van Hughes and the shirt company, old Calvin Klein, the old Tommy Hilfiger, all these brands, Isaac, Jeffrey Bean, and on and on and on. Huge company, a couple of billion dollar company. I began as a clerk, as you all know. I excelled, I got promoted, and my time at PVH in my first 25 years out of the 30, I had 25 different assignments until that year, 1997, when I became the president, not of the Van Usen company, which I had been in 1986, but I became the president of Phillips Van Usen. Now that's a goal that I didn't even have the courage to ever dream. I never dreamed I'd be president of anything, but to become president of a public company and sit on their board, it meant more than from a career point of view, more than life itself. It was everything to me. Now I'm the president of Philips Van Heusen Corporation. My CEO made a decision to purchase Calvin Klein. At the time, our company was very strong, but it was, it didn't grow the way a company needs to grow to get your stock to appreciate. Calvin Klein was a transformative transaction. Namely, if we bought Calvin Klein, it would change and transform the company from a great, well-run company that made money every year to a company that would have explosive growth over the next 10 or 15 years, and we bought Calvin Klein. When we got on the idea, the chairman and CEO and chief financial officer focused on how to get the funds to buy Calvin Klein. It was a very expensive transaction, and we had to borrow money. We had to raise capital, and that's what they focused. Me, they sent into the company to learn what was working, what wasn't working, how would we run the company, what would we do the minute we bought Calvin Klein if we bought it. Over the course of three months, they secured the financing, they brought in investment partners, and I learned how the company ran And I became an expert on Calvin Klein. But remember, I did it as the president of Philips Van Eusen. One day, the CEO, my friend, my mentor, yeah, my friend, great friend, calls me into his office and says, Mark, I have an idea. I think something that would be substantial for you and amazing for the company. I want you to go over and run Calvin Klein. I said, what? I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. He says, I want you to go over and become the CEO of Calvin Klein. I said, what are you talking about? I'm the president of Philips Van Usen. Are you telling me to give up my corporate responsibility? He said, yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do. We won't give your title to anyone. We'll leave it out there. But you go over and run Calvin Klein. So I uh, if I get this straight, you're saying to me, you want me to spend my full time at Calvin Klein, which is running smoothly, and like I spent all these months getting it up and running, identifying the people it's working, and relinquish my presidency in the company? I won't give the title away. I want you to know, I never told you this, Jesse, but I was never more insulted in my life, more disappointed, and depressed That this guy, my friend, the CEO of the company would even suggest after what I got to go from clerk to become the president of Philip News and to end up being in the Calvin Klein division, which I had helped set up and was running brilliantly anyway. We had a good CEO. It hurt me to a point I could never, ever get to.
2: I don't understand. What was his mindset there? He had to have known how you would have perceived that.
1: CEOs are playing chess games. Maybe someone on the board suggested it to make sure Calvin Klein went right. Maybe he was thinking by me giving up the president's title he could bring someone else and give them the president's title from the outside and add to our executive force. Maybe there was someone within the company he felt that would be a better president than me or he felt he owed something to. Maybe, 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 maybe. But you want to talk about killing me inside. And I said to him, I can't tell you How insulted I am. Knowing you and I grew up in this company together, we've been together for 25 years. I followed you all the way up this ladder. I got to where I got. I've helped you. He says, Mark, there's no question. You didn't get anything easy. Everything you got, you deserve. But I just thought maybe the company would be better. I won't give away a title. I said, listen to me. There's no way in this world I'm going to Calvin Klein and giving up my corporate responsibility no way. He says, there's got to be something you want. I said, there's no way.
2: Wait, wait, quick question, quick question. How do you just demand what you're going to do and not do if he's the boss?
1: Well, at the time, I was the president of the company. I was very powerful in the company and that I'm a performer. I was doing a great job. And I was resting a little bit on the fact that him and I were very great friends over 25 years, delivering everything we said we would deliver. It wasn't like I was just that clerk anymore. But it was so incensed and so insulted that I couldn't even consider it. I said, you do whatever you want in Calvin Klein. I'm staying where I am. He said, "This I-, I need you to go there. I said, I'm not going there. I said, but you know what? Just for the purpose of humoring you, I said, if you want me to go over there, you're going to have to pay me star money. And if I can pay you star money? I said, you can't pay me star money. He said, but if I could, I said, star money is making twice what you're making. There's no way you're, you're going to pay me star money. What, I just get off a boat? I don't know how things work. He said, what's star money? I said, at least $10 million a year. I'm not leaving this job to go to Calvin Klein without that. He says, let me get back to you. Now, there's no way I'm getting $10 million a year. And to make a long story short, I won. I remained president of Phillips Van News Corp. I stayed on the board. I oversaw Calvin Klein. I had all these responsibilities. I relinquished none. He, CEO, and the chief financial officer, asked to have a meeting one day at Calvin Klein where the team would come together and present to the three of us what's going on, and I organized it. I'll never forget this. I had an operating office in the Calvin Klein business. At the end of the meeting, they came into my office, and we were talking, and they thanked me for how things were running. And I said, great. You know, it's like I didn't need it because I work with them every day. My real office is in the other building. And then they went to make a phone call, both of them, said, we'll use the phone. So one went to one phone, one went to the other phone. Neither of them could dial the phone. Because in our corporate headquarters, to dial out, you needed to dial nine, and then you'd get an outside line. At Calvin Klein, you needed to dial eight to get an outside line. Now, the point of this story is they didn't even know how to use the phone, so it showed you how much time they spent at Calvin Klein. And yet they insulted me. He insulted me. And I'll tell you, on a night we're discussing to err is human and to forgive is divine, I will never forget that day. And I will never forgive that day. And I never told him until right now, if he's listening to this show, you hurt me and I will never forgive you for that. Now, we moved on. I still love him. But that will never leave my mind. And Jesse, it shouldn't leave yours. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue: forgiving or not forgiving. Always Always in fashion. fashion. It's Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion. Karl Lagerfeld was one of the world's most celebrated fashion icons. His creative genius still is through with his Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection. Karl Lagerfeld was known for his artistry, his photography, his fashion design. He was a brilliant, brilliant creator. And he was also known for his cutting-edge and aspirational and inspirational approach to style and life. Included in the Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection is women's ready-to-wear accessories, shoes, and bags. Karl Lagerfeld also offers a wide range of watches, eyewear, and premium fragrances. The Karl Lagerfeld brand is there for you to be different, to be special, and feel unique. Explore the Carl Lagerfeld collection at carl.lagerfeld.com. Welcome back
0: to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. Is it too late now to say sorry? Yeah, I know oh, that I let you
1: down. Is it too, late to too is sorry human. Now. To forgive is divine. That's what I'm thinking about tonight. The other day, I'm watching a movie. Catherine Hepburn, Spencer Tracy. She did something that upset him, and she used that quote, and I thought about it. It gave me thought for show tonight, thinking about the mistakes we made and how we forgive and forget. Now, I have to admit, I'm willing when someone does something to me to say, I forgive. It's easy. It's on the surface. I'll even say, forget it. But let's be intellectually honest. The larger the infraction, the larger the slight, the degree of potential risk or danger to me professionally, forget about personally, the greater my memory in detail, the larger my anger, the need for subtle revenge. Sometimes it's outright, but I subscribe to the Corleone principle keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. I like when someone does something in the company and I really don't forgive them for it because I get to personally torture them for as long as I want. <laughs> and my forgiving doesn't exist. Erring is human, and forgiving is divine. And I'll tell you what, I'm not divine. I want to tell you a great story. In order to join LVMH, I had to go through a series of interviews with uh, the managing director, the head of human resources in the United States, and ultimately the head of human resources in Paris. Her name was Madame Conchetta Lansau. Now, don't hold me to the French pronunciation. I'll try again. Madame Conchetta Lensau.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't think that's much better. <laughs>
1: uh, anyway, I met Miss Conchetta Lensau, and we, we got to have a relationship over the course of time. Actually, the first time I met her was a disaster. I had uh, met with Donna Karen during the interview process in Parrot K in the Turks and Caicos, and we had what I thought was a great meeting. When I left Turks and Caicos to go on vacation to San Diego, I was really feeling good. I, it was a good meeting with Donna. The next day, I get a call from one of my closest friends. He said, you'll never believe, Mark. You're on the cover of Women's Wear Daily. I said, what? He said, the outline of your meeting with Donna Karen was discussed in Women's Wear Daily on the front page. And it said the headline, Donna Karen will never work with Mark Weber. And then there were all these details. I said, you're kidding. I can't believe this. You know, I, I was taken aback. About an hour later, I get a call from Marek Hinchetta, who was up until that point the most refined woman, decent woman, I was so impressed with, screaming at me on the phone, you don't work for LVMH yet, you don't speak for LVMH. You do not work for LVMH, you do not speak for LVMH. Screaming at me, saying, how dare you, who do you think you are? And I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to join the company, look what, what's going on here. I said to her, I had the presence of mind." I said, look, I met with Donna yesterday. I'm in San Diego. I haven't spoken to anyone. You're yelling at the wrong person. You're talking to the wrong person. Go talk to Donna and find out what happened because I'm not the one who leaked it. Sure enough, later that day, she called me back again and said, I apologize profusely. We found out Donna gave the story. It wasn't you. I can't tell you how sorry I am. And I, I said, thank you, fine. I'm okay. It's all right. And as it turned out, did I forgive her? Yes, because in this case, she lost her cool at me. I happened to be 100% right, and I'm glad it went behind me. And over the course of time, I developed a great relationship with her, and I've mentioned in the past that she, in fact, came to me early on in my career and said, you're doing great, Mark. We love you. We want you to move to Paris. We think you can help us even more here. Being around you, having an important American background here would be great for the company. I said, Not yet. Let me do what I was hired to do and we'll worry about working in Paris later. And she accepted it. So, if I want to fast forward, I had this great relationship with her. And one day, I read in the newspaper, Madame Conchetta Lansau, Bernard Arnault's trusted advisor and board member, is leaving LVMH. I'm shocked. I'm a senior member. I'm CEO of LEMH Income in the United States. I can't believe that they didn't alert me to the fact that she was leaving the company. I was shell-shocked, and I was angry. You want to talk about being dissed or disrespected? I felt disrespected that they didn't tell me this. So what to do, what to do, what to do? Now, I've talked about this before. I said it earlier. Packaging yourself is as important as the product you package. And what you say is extremely important. Words matter. But how you present yourself could be the difference between success and failure. You have to know how to pick your spots and do what you have to say. As it turned out, I decided to say nothing for the time. About two weeks later, managing director from LVMH is coming to the United States. and He's going to spend a day with me. And I suggested to him that we should go visit an outlet center I don't think he was familiar with outlets per se and let alone in the United States. And on behalf of Donna Karen, I had some outlet stores and I was going to grow it. We took a trip, had a car, take us to Harriman, New York, which is one of the top five outlet centers in the country. Anybody who hasn't been there, if you like outlet centers and you're curious what the best outlet center could look like, it's there. It's owned by Prime Retail. It's a great center. It's a who's who. They have every brand, every designer brand, Um, amazing place to go. Of course, they don't have Vuitton, but they did have Dior, one of the only places in the world. And he and I got in the car, and we went, and we toured the center. He asked questions. We visited the non And we had a great day, and I had a very good, warm, close relationship with this fellow from Paris. But I hadn't forgotten the Concetta story, and I couldn't let it rest. And I had planned on this trip at the right time, to share with him my displeasure. So I waited the whole day, and in the limousine on the way back to New York, we're sitting, we're talking, and I finally said to this fellow, I-, I have something I'd like to talk to you about. He said, sure, Mark, what? I said, I'm very disappointed in the company and with all the respect in you. I just read in the paper that Madame Conchetta L'Anseau is leaving the company. And I don't think it's appropriate, nor do I think it's right, that I read about it in the newspaper. And he looked at me, and he said, Mark, you're new to this organization. I want to share it with you something. This is a European company, and it runs in the European way. It's your responsibility to understand the difference in this company from what you're used to. You're the outsider coming in. Trust me, we're not going to change the European culture that was built over hundreds of years for you. You have to learn the European culture. And as he's saying this, I'm feeling like I'm getting slapped down, and correctly so, I suppose. I had to accept that, you know, I was angry, that I was slighted. And then he looked at me and he said, and just for the record, I found out by reading the paper as well. <laughs> so and I where I'm discussing to err is human, to forgive is divine, I thought that's a great statement. Before you get angry at somebody, you ought to understand the situation. See, when you join a European company that's based in France, not where you are, that's global all over the world, that's dealing with every country in the world, that's dealing with people who work for the company in various different nationalities, you have to take a moment to realize that it's very different from what we Americans are used to. I was an American executive traveling around the world that is American at PVH. And here, I was an American guy traveling around representing a European company. It's very, very different. And it was important for me to learn the rules and how things work. This is an example of how someone did something to me, didn't apologize, but he was right. And in this case, I had to forgive myself for talking out of turn. And I thought that's a great lesson. We're gonna take a break. And I want to talk about insulting fashion when we come back. Always, Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber. I remember so clearly when Donna Karen hit the scene. It was explosive. She was one of the most dynamic designers in the history of the world, and her product was very, very different from anything anyone in America had ever seen. She was modern. She was New York. She was vibrant. When you looked at the business in those days, there were companies like Ralph Polo or Tommy Hilfiger or Nautica, great traditional American brands, but no one identified modern. You wanted modern, you had to find Giorgio Armani. Black was the basis of his presentation, and everything about it had a European chic to it. But not in America until Donna came. Donna was a New York life resident, understood the pace of the city, understood what it was like to live in the city that never sleeps, that goes 24-7. Donna invented DKNY, Donna Karen, New York. I'll never forget the first time I saw it. I was in London, and they had built a magnificent four-floory store in a building with an open roof, a glass ceiling. Glass ceiling, I suppose, representing we're changing the way things are done. DKNY was frankly nothing short of extraordinary both men and both for women black was the basis of the brand although the many colors played off the palette and they all look good against black let's face it we live active lifestyles we get up in the morning we do different things we work we play evenings is about entertaining and seeing the best that New York has to offer. TKY offers a collection of menswear wear and women's wear, but footwear, accessories, suits, shirts, ties, women's sportswear, women's activewear that speaks to the lifestyle that goes with you wherever you want to go. And it's always modern, it's always contemporary, it's always at the forefront of what fashion should be with a New York lifestyle in mind. I've lived the life. I was the chairman and CEO of Donna Karan. I understood what that brand meant. And I can tell you, if you want to step out, and you want to walk away from your traditional roots, if you want to be modern, you want to make a statement of elegance, but in a New York kind of way, with the sophistication of New York, as a person who understands all the city has to offer, and all the modern lifestyle in America is about, you find it everywhere. People are Forcing themselves, urging themselves to get out and be special and live this lifestyle. DKNY. You can find DKNY at DKNY.com or in Macy's. I'm telling you guys and I'm telling you ladies, you can look chic, you could look special, you look right. DKNY.
0: Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber.
1: To err is human, to forgive is divine. I must admit, I'm human. I can't forgive. I can't forget. I'm not godly. I heard that slogan, that quote on the show the other night, on a late night movie, and it got me thinking. I don't know about any of you out there. I think you're more like me than you're willing to admit. Maybe I'm a bad guy. You do something wrong to me, I tell you to your face, oh, I forgive you when you apologize oh yeah, it's forgotten. I don't forgive, I don't forget. And that's been the theme of the show tonight. Got me to thinking. I've watched the Grammys, I've watched these shows, and the men in particular are trying to make these statements. I don't get it. Whatever happened to good taste? I looked at Harry Styles the other night on the Grammys, wearing this big boa constrictor scarf, I guess you'd say, with a very short plaid jacket and a Striped sweater. On one level, I can tell you, it was very creatively driven, the way it was put together. Another, who wants to see guys dressed like that? What statement are we saying? To go out like peacocks? I don't get it. Anyway, celebrities are getting dressed up. They're recreating themselves. People are getting dressed up, recreating themselves. And remarkably, miraculously, creatively, and passionately, Men are getting dressed again. And I have to tell you, it's hard to forgive seeing some of these articles and seeing some of these outfits. The other day, I came across um, an article online. Jess, you know the title of the article?
2: Yeah, it was called The 25 Best Dressed Men in the World in 2021. It's by a website, L-U-X-A-T-I-C, Luxatic? Luxatic?
1: like Sadek, whoever they are. And they've got these 25 guys there, and I don't, in a million years, understand how they picked them. All right, let's go. You want to talk about some of them? Well, let me just group off
2: the ones that I thought made sense, the ones that I expected, the ones that I think are great. So, like, you would see David Beckham. You'd see Brad Pitt. You'd see um, Daniel Craig, uh, Mahersha Ali, Michael B. Jordan. I I like all their style. The reason I like all their style is, for the most part— it's very classy, it's very masculine, and it's very wearable. But what I've seen in this article and what I've seen generally is the ones that they're giving a lot of credit to and that are higher ranked are like, like you said, peacocks. So they have this guy, Timothy Chalamet. Have you ever seen what this guy wears? Great actor, good-looking guy. He wears outfits like he's a, um, a villain in the future. I didn't even know it's clothing. It's like weird shirts with weird like partitions in the shirt. I I was shocked at what I'm seeing. And then I just see, you know, there's people who, okay. John legend, right? Great looking guy, super talented. Why does he have to wear a white suit that looks like paint
1: was thrown all over it? You know, before you go there, I got to tell you something. That guy has the voice of an angel. He is a brilliant, brilliant songwriter. And when he sings, it's, it's unbelievable. And here he is in a white flower suit. It, it's ridiculous. You know who I liked? And you might think I'm crazy, but I'm happy he
2: dresses this way because it fits his personality so well. I like Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum wears these pretty crazy, outrageous outfits. He's older, but it's hip. I don't know. I like it. I think it fits him really well. He's wearing like tartan pants and a sweater with different planets on it. But I think it's cool.
1: Well, he, he's out there saying, I'm making a statement. I'm an unusual character. And he dresses well for an unusual character. I wouldn't emulate him. I'm looking at this thing. You have Aesop Rocky. When I was at DKMY, we used Aesop Rocky in a photo shoot. I'd never heard of him before. My team came to me and said, we want to use him in the photo shoot. They showed me a picture of him, and he was a good-looking guy. When I was on the photo shoot, he wasn't a good-looking guy. He's an amazing-looking guy. One of the best-looking guys I've ever seen. Now, he's number nine on this list, and he's wearing a skirt. What's the point, guy? What is that supposed to be?
2: You know who's interesting? Luke Day. And I didn't know who that was. Luke Day is apparently the editor of GQ Style magazine. In the picture here, he looks like he's dressed from the 70s. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, he looks like... um. Mac Davis in 1971.
2: He's got my hair if I was in Florida humidity.
1: The point is, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I'm going to forgive all of you guys out there, but I need to think about what it is you're saying. You like fashion? Great. I suppose, I suppose, if you're on stage, when you watch the Grammys between the women, the men, some of the outfits and the antics were insane, but it's music. They're trying to make a statement. They're trying to make bold. But when you're on the runway, you're in real life, when you're walking through the world, I think there's something to be said. You're not a photograph. You're not a picture. You're a human being. You're making a statement. you got to really think about the message you're sending. <laughs> okay, on a night that I have to forgive, I'll forgive you all for that. Take a break. Be back in a moment to discuss to err is human, to forgive is divine. And i got to tell you, between you and me, I don't forgive anything. Always, Always in, fashion. in Fashion. This is Mark Weber, host of Always in Fashion. Karl Lagerfeld was one of the world's most celebrated fashion icons. His creative genius still is through with his Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection. Karl Lagerfeld was known for his artistry, his photography, his fashion design. He was a brilliant, brilliant creator. And he was also known for his cutting-edge and aspirational and inspirational approach to style and life. Included in the Karl Lagerfeld Paris collection is women's ready-to-wear accessories, shoes, and bags. Karl Lagerfeld also offers a wide range of watches, eyewear, and premium fragrances. The Karl Lagerfeld brand is there for you to be different, to be special, and feel unique. Explore the Carl Lagerfeld collection at CarlLagerfeld.com.
0: Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host,
1: Mark Weber. To err is human, to forgive is divine. I have to learn how to forgive myself. It hasn't been easy. The only way to do that is to recognize uh, the mistakes I've made. When I think about it, my biggest mistake was time. I have to apologize. Not so much for the time I've lost, the time I didn't take to appreciate what I had. I'm so sorry for the time I wasted. I'm sorry for all the days, years, and months I strive for the next thing, not taking the time to appreciate where I was. On the other side, would I have gotten to the top, taking a moment to enjoy and appreciate the intermediate successes? <sighs> I have to forgive myself for the waste of time. I was married to my college sweetheart for a very long time until she passed away. I looked back, having a partner, a soulmate, the memories. It was a moment in time. It began, and it was over in a second. I should have appreciated time more. I let it run too fast. I have to learn to forgive myself for not appreciating the time while it was happening. Good night.
0: You always on my mind. You are always...